Good morning. As has already been stated, my name is Sterling. Yeah, I'm seeing, do you say good morning back? Is, yeah. is there like a reply? Okay, good morning. Some of you do, and some of you, it's cool. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't always respond in that way either, but my name's Sterling. It's so great to be here with you guys this morning. Let me just tell you real briefly, uh, I'm married to my wife, Jenna. We've been married for almost 29 years. We have four daughters, and I'm going to tell you about my daughters, and it's going to sound like a prayer request. You're going to say, wow, we need to be praying for him. But uh, our oldest daughter is 24. She lives in the Austin, Texas area. Uh, she's uh, married to uh, our son-in-law, Brayden, uh, who interned for us in New York, which was not a part of our church planning strategy uh, that we were going to have that happen. But uh, they have two sons, so we have two grandsons. And then I have a 19-year-old daughter, Emma, who's at Texas Baptist College uh, in Fort Worth uh, at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And then we have a 13-year-old daughter, Avery, and then we have a 6-year-old daughter, Charlotte. And I don't know if you've kept track of all the numbers here, but we run the gamut. You can tell that was our church planning strategy. We just thought if we keep having our own kids, we're going to keep meeting uh, people. And so we, um, we, love, we love our family and so glad to be able to come here today. It's been great to be able to get to know Alex and Jacob over these last several months that we've been here. And uh, I know Alex uh, and Jacob, they speak Texan. And I'm originally from Texas, and I, we can have conversations in that regard as well. But I've been praying for your church, and, and, I, and I want you to know that. And even if this is your first time here, I just want you to know that this is an important church. This church, it matters that this church is here, and it matters what God is doing in this church. Because there is the tremendous need that we have for truth to be shared and spoken. It's not that just we're trying to have a church for the sake of having a church, but to understand that there is a mission and there is a purpose. And to break it down even further to know that God has a mission and a purpose for every single one of us that have gathered in here this morning. And so I've been praying for your church for the last several weeks, and it's a privilege for me to be able to open up God's word with you this morning I'm going to read to you out of 2 Peter chapter 1. And out of 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, it's a passage uh, that is written here, and it has these words a few times in this passage where it says something like, I want to remind you, or I want you to recall, or I want you to remember these things. And really, when the scripture has those words that are listed, it's almost like the Bible is underscoring those things, where you're saying, Hey, really pay attention to this. All of it is good. All of it is important. But there's some reminders that we have. So the name of the talk that what I've called, called this today is just called Remember to Remember. Because it's easy for us to get busy. It's easy for us to kind of get involved in, in all of our day-to-day -day responsibilities. And maybe we have the pressures. Or maybe you deal with worry and anxiety. And what we're just saying today is we're going to pause for a few minutes. And we're just going to remember. This is what it is that we're doing. This is what it is that God has called us to. So I know we just prayed, but can I just voice a prayer for us just one more time as we open up God's word? Father, I pray that you would speak to us. You're here in this place this morning. You're here with us. So I just ask that you would speak, that we would hear from you. We don't really need the words of a man today. What we need is to hear from you. So in your way, in the way that you speak, would you speak to all of our hearts today? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to read out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, 
I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think that it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder, since I know that putting off my old body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more, more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Peter is making this really clear to us, and he's saying, I really want you to pay attention. I want you to remember these things. That what we're talking about when we open up God's Word, these aren't just good ideas that came from somebody. But this is the Word of God. This is God's voice to us. I mean, think about what this means for us. That we're gathered in a room this morning, and we are reading the words that God has instructed for us to be able to hold on to these things. And so here's just a couple of points I just want to bring up to you, is that we have the, constant, the need for constant reminding of the truth. We need to constantly be reminded of God's word of the truth. You might say, well, why do we need to constantly, constantly be reminded of that? Well, because you and I are bombarded with lies every single day. Now, that's just where we live. But there's a lot of lies that come across, right? You, you, you have all the different things that promise something. That this is what the situation is. This is what the need is. And, and, and we know that there's messages that come from the enemy that are to kill us and to destroy us. And so there's messages that are being shared with our children. And there's messages that are being shared with, shared with students in our lives, in our marriage. And we're, we're being sold something all the time. Someone is saying, hey, you know what? If you want to feel better about this, this is what you need to do. Oh, you want to escape from the reality of your marriage? Here's what you need to do. There's messages that are accompanied with lies that bombard us. And the scripture is telling us that we've got to be able to know what the truth is. I mean, it, it sounds like it's really serious. And it's really serious. It's really serious because lies begin to infiltrate us. And so we see how easy, how easily it is to, to get uh, caught in a lie. We don't, nobody wants to get caught in a lie. But don't you also smell a lie? Can you sometimes just say, you know what, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't seem like that, that this, this is true. You know, when we had kids and they were real young and, and they would be up in the middle of the night, I remember so many times I would be sitting there trying to get one of the girls to go back to sleep and they had these infomercials that would come on at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Do you, do you watch those infomercials? I mean... At the time, we did, and I did, and, and so I remember so vividly that there was this one infomercial that was selling a closet organizer, and they were showing what life was like without the closet organizer, and the people were not doing well. They were, they were, 
they were not happy. They had just kind of this sad look on their face, like everything's falling apart. Then one day, they show us the closet, they open up the closet, and everything falls out of it. Then one day, fast forward, life with the closet organizer. I mean, everybody's smiling. The, the, the kids are making better grades. I, 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 I'm not really sure how it breaks down, but you see that there's this promise of something. It's going to get better. Well, we have all kinds of messages. We have to be reminded of the truth. We must regain our perspective of our training. We've got to train ourselves to listen for the truth. Here's what, here's what goes on in 1 Timothy. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, rather train yourself for godliness, for while, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. That we've got to hold on to the truth. We've got to train ourselves to listen to this. We're, we're, we're all a work in progress. We, we all have things that, that we have to be able to put into our lives. We have things that we need to remove from our lives. And God is not finished with any of us. But the way that it begins is by infiltrating, by immersing ourselves in the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says that he who began a good work in you, he's faithful to complete this good work. So he wants us to be able to know him this way. So we've got to recognize this idea that we're a work in progress, but we also have to reevaluate our priorities. We've got to maybe get rid of some things that are in our lives where you go, you know what? All this is, is feeding me some different lies. I, I, I love it. I love it that I can tell you that I have four daughters, and, and I wish I could tell you that all four of them, they're perfect kids, and, but every once in a while, we have one kid that begins to kind of tell on another kid. They're, they're tattling over this or that. And, and you begin to just kind of like, well, we've got to get down to what? The facts. It, it can't just be hearsay. We have God's word to be able to show us about this, to be able to tell us about this. We've got to reevaluate our priorities. We've got to adjust our priorities. And we re remember that we've been called to live for him and to be able to know him. And the way that we do this is constant reminding of the truth. One day, I was in Brooklyn, and we'd gone to a 7-Eleven. We're waiting in line. We're paying for our coffee there at 7-Eleven. And the lady in front of me was paying for all of her items, and she put the, the money down on the counter, and the clerk took the money, and immediately he looks at this, what seems to be a $20 bill, and he says, no, this is, this is counterfeit. This isn't real. And she's like, yeah, it is. It's a $20 bill. And he says, this is not a $20 bill. She got a little bit flustered. She hurried her way out of the store, and he's holding the counterfeit $20 bill. And I am so intrigued by this that I am like, I need to know how you knew that. So I asked him, I was like, how did you know that that was, like, immediately you knew that that was a counterfeit? He said, it's not hard. He said, I deal with real $20 bills all day long. All I do is hold on to $20 bills. I can recognize when the $20 bill is a counterfeit. So he said, do you want to hold it? So he gave me a real $20 bill in one hand. I'm holding the counterfeit $20 bill in the other hand. He's like, can you tell the difference? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. He puts them down on the counter. He puts one against the other. They're not the same size and all, not the same texture. He said, if you want to know that it's real, the way that you know that it's counterfeit is by knowing what's real, by knowing what's true. 
And that's how we have to live our lives is that we have to immerse ourselves in the truth so that we would be able to recognize this is what God's, God's word says. For some of us, that might mean that we've got to start reading God's word, or maybe you already read God's word, but there's got to be this consistency where, where we're opening up God's word and we're hearing from God and that we're hearing what the truth is. And so I want to encourage you to really continually remind yourself of what the truth is. But the, also what we see in this is that there is a need for us to consistently live in the reality that only God can transform people. Only God can transform people. The way that Peter is saying this and the way that he writes this in 2 Peter 1 is that he's talking about, we don't want you to know about cleverly devised myths when we've made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, don't settle for the hearsay. There's actual transformation that Jesus can change and transform us. We're not trying to, to, to just kind of get people to buy into something. We're not trying to sell a closet organizer. The, the, this, this church, Asante Church, exists to be able to proclaim the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and that Jesus changes everything about everything. You don't have to amen. I'm just going to amen it myself. Amen. Jesus changes everything about everything because when we understand that he can transform us, that is what so many of us need. Do you know anybody in your life who needs to be transformed by Jesus? I mean, I don't know if you just have somebody who comes into your mind and say, who do I know that actually needs transformation? Not just kind of a pep talk. I mean the power of God. There are so many people that I know in my life and, and I've seen them and they've been dealing with difficult situations in their relationships and they've been dealing with addiction and, and they understand the ramifications of the consequences where things have gone terribly wrong. And I can also tell you that I have seen them transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he changes us and he transforms us. He makes us new. He makes us into a new creation. Here's what, what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse one. He says, I appeal, to you, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may be able to test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Being able to have our minds transformed. So how do our minds become renewed? It actually starts with immersing ourselves in the truth. So we immerse ourselves in the truth, and then God begins to transform us, that we experience transformation, that there's things that, that we recognize in our lives that this is not okay anymore. I don't know if you've ever been confronted by somebody who let you know that you had a problem. Anybody ever let you know that you had a problem? Like that is not the, I see somebody nod, thank you so much. That's, I mean, there, you, weren't, you weren't asking. You weren't asking, do you think I have a problem? Like they came to you, they're like, hey, we spot something in you. We see something that, man, this has got to go. That, that can be really uncomfortable, can it? I mean, sometimes that can be like, wow, I don't even know what to say. But the idea is this, is that we have to have people in our lives that are willing to speak up because we are not just going to stay the way that we are. God wants to change us and transform us. God wants to change you and transform you so that you become like him so that you then have a truth to be able to share with other people so that they can know 
God, that they can experience the power within, his, within their life so that they can be able to know that I am not the same, that I am transformed, that I have been transformed by Jesus Christ. That's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And that is what the message is. That is what, what it is that we're doing here, that God is working in all kinds of ways. You know, we, we, we have a grandson. His name is Ezra. The, our first time to come to Surprise, Arizona, was last summer. August 2021, and it's a pretty amazing thing uh, in so many ways, but our grandson, Ezra, was born with a severe brain injury, and so he's had treatment. He was born in April of 2021. He's had treatment in different ways, and he's gone through a lot. He's been to so many doctors, but one of the doctors that he came to was here in Surprise. Who would have thought Surprise, Arizona, that there is a doctor who's working, working in, uh, on Ezra in all of these different ways. And, and so Ezra's had the, these uh, stem cell treatments to be able to help with his brain. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but just think about this. That in Ezra's uh, brain, which is, has this severe injury, um, the last time they were here in Arizona, they removed 350 million cells from his thigh to be able to put and to be able to put it in the back of his neck to be able to watch this progression begin to happen transformation to where you see that in so many cases by the way Ezra's got a long way to go and if you want to know how to pray for Ezra I'm happy to tell you how to pray for Ezra pray for Ezra I've got the Ezra tattoo on my arm but listen to this God transforms us in so much the same way that he takes something that, 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 that was there and he gives us new life to be able to make us into who he has called us to be. My, my brother and I, we would drive around Houston when we were uh, in, in high school and I did most of the driving. I was, I'm a couple of years older than my brother, but one day uh, I, had this, I had this little car uh, it wasn't little at all. It was, it was actually really huge now that I'm telling you about it. It probably wouldn't fit in this room. It was really, really big. Um, and uh, it was a 1982 Oldsmobile. Not sure if anybody, anybody knows uh, what, what, what we're dealing with with this. Uh, and it was a car, but it had a diesel engine. Do you know what that means? That means your dad always hears you when you're coming home. That's what that means. Uh, you turn down the block, and so, so anyway, one night we're, we're out somewhere, and we're in, out in Houston, and um, we stop. I see that the low-fuel light is on, and this uh, low-fuel light was different back in those days, but still, it had a low-fuel light. And uh, anyway, my brother got out, and he put gasoline in the diesel engine. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> Man, it doesn't go there, right? Gasoline doesn't go in a diesel engine. It didn't go well. Uh, to say that the car was shaking would be so much an understatement. Uh, to, to, uh, somehow we managed to get home. And, uh, and um, my dad, who my dad passed away just, just a few months ago, but uh, my dad was not happy. And he said, I don't know what to do. He said, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to let the engine run all night, and maybe it will all get out of the... And so we just sounded crazy just to let the engine run all night long to get all of it out of there. I, 
I don't know if we did the right thing. I don't know if we did the wrong thing. I am no longer driving that car, I'm happy to tell you. But here's what I want you to know, is that for us to be able to experience transformation, there's some things that have got to go. There's some things that we put in. Nope, we can't live with that anymore. And the only way that that works is for us to be able to put in the truth of God's word, for us to be able to know that, that we recall over and over again, this is the truth of what God is doing in me, and this is what God is doing through me so that we can experience him in this way. And then here's the last point. And I know some of you are like, really? This is the last point? Well, when I say it's the last point, give or take, it's pretty close to the last point. The need, we have this need to carefully reflect on the triumph of God. I think that so many times that we can feel defeated by all the things that are going on in our lives. And, and we, a lot of times we listen to the news and we listen to the media. And we, and we listen to uh, a lot of doomsayers and we listen to a lot of things that just sound like things are going really, really bad. And we just have to be reminded on a regular basis of the triumph of the love and the mercy of God. That Jesus has defeated sin and death. That Jesus is going to return for us. That we can be able to know wholeheartedly that he is alive and that he makes you alive. That Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And when we know that, that we can be able to celebrate that he is going to continue to work in us and through us to know these things. I want to read to you this passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says this in verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must, be put on, must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Can I tell you part of what Paul's saying here is don't give up. Don't lose sight of what's true. Don't live a life of defeat. Don't wonder, man, I hope this is all going to work out in the end. We have the celebration that not even death is going to get the last word for us. That we are called to live for him. That, that we are called to be able to experience him. We see this example, I won't read through the whole list right now, but we see this example in Hebrews chapter 11 of, of the people that have gone before us. These people who demonstrated their faith. Who, who, who decided that we're going to do what God says. And God used imperfect people for his incredible purposes. God always uses imperfect people for his incredible purposes. He always uses imperfect people for his incredible purposes. It's not just a, a list of people. It's not just like, well, those, God used those people. I, I want to encourage you with this. God wants to use you for his purposes. God has a plan for you to be able to experience what it is to be renewed, for, you, for what it is to be transformed, for you to know the truth of who he is, 
for you to be able to experience that and to take your experiences and, and for God to be able to use that in his own ways so that we would be able to continue to see people change and transform because of Jesus. But when we get discouraged, we just, maybe sometimes you've been around people like, is this, man, I'm just, I'm tired. Maybe you even felt tired. Maybe you even wondered, some of you, am I really going to go to church today? Am I really going to join in? But, but you did. You made the decision to be here this morning. And there's a celebration of that because as we come together, we're all on the same page believing and trusting that we just sang it a second ago that, okay, Jesus is building our lives. He's working in us and through us for his purposes. That God has a plan for the people in this community to experience transformation. For the people that have been struggling, for them to be able to know that God has a plan and purpose. We started out our church in, in New York, and my wife and I moved up there, and, and we had two of our daughters at the time. They were eight and three when we moved there. We, we, knew, two, we knew two people. And, and we didn't, what I'm saying is, we didn't know very many people walking into New York. We didn't understand exactly what we were supposed to do. We were trying to start a church, but we didn't even really know where to begin. And so one day I was sitting at this, at this restaurant, uh, this burrito restaurant, which I, I told you I'm from Texas originally. You won't be surprised that I would go to a burrito restaurant. But I walk, I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm, re, I'm opening up my Bible, and I uh, don't, listen, when I say I don't know anybody, I'm not exaggerating. Like, we're just trying to figure out, how are we supposed to do this? And this guy comes up to me, and he says, uh, hey, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, man, that's really great. He says, I'm a Christian also. He said, well, what, what, do, you, what do you do? What, what's going on? I said, oh, well, we just moved from Texas to start a church that does not yet exist. <laughs> He's like, wow, that's really cool. I just moved from Texas to start this burrito restaurant. And he made it sound like we were doing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, man, I get it. I get it. He said, listen, man, I want to tell you something. He said, anytime you ever meet anybody, you bring them here to this restaurant, and you'll never pay for a burrito. It's always going to be on me. That's how I can help you get your church started. So I thought, wow, free burritos. No, <laughs> no. I began to understand God was already doing the work. I wasn't coming in up there to invent the work. I wasn't coming up there to say, look what we've done. And God began to change things, and God began to change me to where I understood I wasn't trying to get people to buy a closet organizer. I was getting to be a part of what God was already doing. And guess what? That's what's going on at Asante. God's been already been doing the work inside of you to lead you to this place so that we can celebrate it. And what we have to be able to understand is that celebration and triumph are a key part for us to be followers of Jesus. That we're not looking at all the difficult. I mean, I know it's incredible to me. There's people here, as I'm talking to some people this morning that have been here since 7 a.m., making sure that things are set to go. We're doing all of the work behind the scenes to say, okay, but it's so important. We're going to be here. That's how important this is. But we also have to focus on not just all of the work, the triumph, that there is a celebration, that we are following a risen Savior who has given his life for every single one of us so that we would know what 2 Corinthians 5 says, so that everyone would know that their sins are no longer counted against them because of what Jesus has done for them. That's what we're celebrating. 
you know, the, we, we, were, we were on Long Island, and uh, we, on Long Island we had a, uh, a cable company. It was called Optimum. I don't know if you've heard of Optimum. I don't know if Optimum is here or what it is, but um, we signed up. I, I was responding to emails early one morning, and I had had this email, and they were looking for families that would be willing to participate in a game show demonstration of the Optimum products. I know that sounds really kind of weird. Let me just try to explain this. They wanted to make kind of a game show infomercial out of how to retrieve your voicemail from somewhere else and how to use your remote control and how to uh, set your DVR. And so I'm thinking to myself that morning, Alex, as I'm reading through this, like, we do not know how to do a lot of things but we know how to do those things. Like we know how to set our DVR. Like we're like on top of it. So anyway, I, I fill out this email and our family is selected to go against another family. I mean, let me just tell you, this is like, this is, this is a big deal. We were the blue team, okay? And we were competing against the yellow team and they were filming us. We went to the studio, and they filmed us kind of almost like in a family feud kind of format. I've got the video. If anybody wants to see it, I'll show it to you. And so they're just kind of like introducing us and our family. And so then we filmed this, and, and you're, they're doing this timed relay. They're doing a timed relay of how long did it take you to record this or retrieve your voicemail or whatever it is. And so they're recording us, and, and it's a very big deal. And let me just tell you, the winner... Like, it had, like, an actual, like, sweepstakes to it to where the winner received $5,000. You understand, like, we're talking to our kids, like, this is not the day to mess around. <laughs> like, th th there's no attitudes today. There's no, I don't want to. This is not that day. You can save it for another day. It's not happening today. Like, we are game on for real. So we're, we're, we're going through this. We've, we've recorded at the studio one day, and then the next day they're at our house. And so they're recording us by taking our times, and then they're recording the yellow team the next day. So we're not actually sure what their time is going to be. So we come to the very end. It's, we've, they've been filming for like 14 hours. We're not the best actors in the place takes a long time, and so they finally come. They said, okay, here's the last thing that we're going to film. We've got to film you as if you lost to the yellow team. Like, we've got to film that right now. So they said, what we want you to do is for you to congratulate the yellow team. Well, we are not feeling good about this at all. So we just go, hey, um... Yay, yellow team, congratulations. They're like, we're going to need for you to do that again. Maybe with a little bit more enthusiasm. So we, we, we find, it takes us like six takes. We finally get to the point to where we're saying, okay, yay, yellow team, we're good sports. Then they say, okay, good job. Now we've got to film it like you won. And I promise you, as difficult as it was for us to film it like we lost, it was even harder for us to film it like we won. Because when you don't really know if you've won, it's hard to just kind of act like you did. You're just kind of sitting there and you're saying, yay, we won. So I said, I went off to the side and I said, hey, when are we going to know who the winners are? 
They're like, oh, we don't really know. It could be like six or eight weeks before we know who the winner is. What? Six or eight weeks? There's $5,000 on the line. We've just straightened out our kids, and we promised some things we shouldn't promise. We got things we've got to do. So finally, we end up, I don't know how long it takes, many takes, many, many takes. Yay, we're so excited to be on the winning team. Way to go, blue team. Let me just tell you something. I feel like that there are times when that is what we do at church. We forget that we have won the victory. That Not that we have done it, but that Christ has won the victory for us. That there is now, what, what Romans 8, 1 says, there is now, everybody with me? There is now no condemna- condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we kind of forget about it. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. See, we have to immerse ourselves in the truth to remember that there is a triumph, that there is a victory, that whatever it is that you're facing right now, whatever it is that you're battling right now, whatever it is you're anxious about right now, whatever it is that you are worried about right now, it does not get the final say over Jesus. It is not the winner. You and I have been given the victory that we celebrate these things, that we know these things, that we can be able to rest in these things. We, 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 I'm pl- closing with this. We just buried my dad May 15th. My dad passed away. It was a big deal for our family. Uh, it, it, it really feels weird. There's these times, I'll just go ahead and tell you, that it's been just a few months, and I still sometimes catch myself saying, oh, you know what? I would love to tell my dad about this. My dad was a pastor my entire life. He loves to talk about these things. But can I just read you before we go? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may, be found, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And I'm going to tell you something. I have held on to that, that where my dad is right in this moment, that is real life. What we're in right now, we are in the middle of it. And so we've got to stay focused on the truth. But guess what they don't have to do in heaven? They don't have to stay focused on the truth, do they? There's nothing else but truth. It's all right there. They're not having to go, well, let's discern whether this message is true or whether this, that's not what's going on. So he's swallowed up by life. And you and I can be able to have our minds set on the things that are above so that we can know what real life is all about. We have been given victory. We have been given triumph. We can be able to celebrate the truth. We can immerse ourselves in the truth. And Jesus alone can transform. Father, I thank you that we can call upon you today. I thank you that you invite us to know you. And Father, I pray that these words this morning are an encouragement, not just that we would have a pep talk, but that we would hold on to these things, that we would hold on for dear life. We know that there are messages that we're immersed in. We get messages on our phone. We, we see the different things on our TVs. We, we, we have conversations with people. And so many times they become such a discouragement, a distraction. We become overwhelmed with thinking how we're going to handle things and how we're going to get out of this and how we're going to make the best of this. But I pray that we would just pause 
and that we would remember to remember that the truth is found in you and in you alone, and that we would hold fast to that, that we remember that you still change and transform, and that there's no one that we're around that you cannot change and transform, and that you've given us triumph, that you've defeated death so that we can know what life is, and I pray that we would live in the middle of that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.